1: Welcome back to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. It is Johnny Major's Classic Week, and Tennessee will be challenged with uh, the Pittsburgh Panthers, who won the Backyard Brawl in Week 1 while Tennessee was taking care of business against Ball State. The competition obviously ramps up here in Week 2. We're going to get into... A look at that matchup in a little bit uh later in the episode but guys just um first off uh general impressions of tennessee in that opener against ball state was it pretty much what you expected or something uh kind of come out and and surprise you about that opener
2: everything that i thought they could be offensively they were and uh i I think it It does show last year how much the quarterback situation hurt the early development of that team because, um, you know, I mean, last year there were a whole lot of questions about that offense if they could really get it going in year one after the opener. Obviously a year in, but with this quarterback and with this system in place for a year, the offense looked as good as – considering it was ball state, the offense looked as ready to go as, as about any in college football for week one. I have a huge, huge question about the defense that I know we'll probably get into more during this during this episode. But uh, no sacks. That there's some reasons behind that, and most of your improvement happens from week one to week two with any season. Um, but boy, you you got to get more improvement in in that area because they should have had at least one sack by accident against Ball State, and the fact that they had none um, is. Is is a little concerning.
0: I uh, it, it's just so hard to draw many conclusions when you're playing a team as infirm as Ball State. It it just was so limited. Bowling Green in last year's opener was a was a better team and it showed that when it upset Minnesota. Adam's right about the offense. And I think everybody kind of expected the offense to, to roll right away, as it did. I was impressed with the offensive line again, ball states the competition. So that's a factor, but I thought the offensive line looked pretty good and, uh, protected Hendon hooker. Well, and, uh, that that's the only, I guess of all the elements of, of the offense, that would be the one, uh, I would be most concerned about not really concerned, but I don't think that's the strongest part of the offense, but I thought it played well against Ball
1: State. Infirm. That's a good word to describe ball state, John. I like I like that. You could probably uh just slap that over the top of this ball state season and I, I suspect that would that would probably apply. So, you know, it was interesting, guys. Uh that there was just one SEC team that lost in week one. Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers lost in just kind of spectacular fashion uh, to, to Florida State, really. So given what we've seen from week one, in particular from from Tennessee, but also factoring what we saw in, in what I thought were kind of sluggish openers from South Carolina and Kentucky, uh, and then also Florida, I think, looking better than any of us expected in a win over Utah State in the opener. After all we saw in week one, do you feel more or less confident, I guess, about Tennessee and and your projections for them, what they might be capable of this season? Again, both with Tennessee's performance in mind that you saw in the opener and what you saw elsewhere throughout the SEC.
2: Well, for me, it's, it's sort of two different answers. Tennessee's part, based on what I saw from Tennessee, my preseason take that they would go about eight and four still stands because... I think they're going to win games with a lot of offense and they're going to lose games because of their defense and nothing that I saw in that first game uh, sways me from that take. I still feel eight and four is probably around where I see them based on what Tennessee did. Now on what Tennessee's opponents did, um, I I move a little closer to nine and three and uh, most of that comes down to LSU. So, in, in, in my preseason picks, I had them, like, splitting Pitt and Florida. Well, I sort of still feel the same about that, Florida looks better. Pitt actually looks slightly better than what I thought they would be. So some of my take in, in terms of opponents, a lot of it hinges on, on this game, uh, on this Pitt game. Because if if you look down through the games that I picked wins and losses – The only teams that I thought Tennessee would beat, uh, of the teams that I thought Tennessee would beat, the only ones of those that looked better than I thought they would be is Pitt and Vanderbilt. In Vanderbilt, I don't feel like closed the gap enough for me to change that from a win to a loss on Tennessee's perspective. And Pitt, I thought, would be a close win for Tennessee, and uh, that I still feel about the same about that, but I, I was reasonably impressed with what Pitt did in, in week one. I think this is certainly a toss-up game still. Um, but the LSU game makes me think that maybe there's an extra win in there that I wasn't counting. I thought going down to LSU would just be, the the atmosphere would be tough to overcome. I still think that is is gonna be a tough setting uh, no matter what the record of the team is. But the fact that that's a a week five game, that's that's reasonably early. I don't know if Brian Kelly can fix what is broke down there. Usually, if you have a first year coach that comes in and, you know, they have a lot of issues early on, it takes, I don't know, a month or so to sort of fix that, maybe even longer than that. And then you sort of get this back end. If, If things get fixed, they get fixed on the back end of the schedule where some guys sort of fall by the wayside. You figure out who your guys are. There's some trust built up on the team. And maybe in the last month of the season, that first-year coach gets things going. I think you saw that with Shane Beamer at uh, South Carolina a little bit last year. Um, I don't know that Brian Kelly has enough time in the next month to sort of get enough things fixed and figure out who his guys that he trusts are. I almost feel like at this point, just after week one, Tennessee could be going into LSU with still a lot of turmoil in that program and on that team. And if that's the case, the you know, my pick of Tennessee losing at LSU may may turn a little bit toward uh toward a win. So still r- I'm around eight and four in terms of Tennessee. And looking at their opponents, I think they're I could see a couple of games swing the other way. I feel a little better about Tennessee just based on what their schedule is now.
0: Yeah, I'm with Adam and, and I feel a little better about Tennessee's chances for a good record. I, I thought nine and three in preseason I was one game more in the win column than Adam, but uh I feel really good about nine wins for Tennessee now <clears throat> for some of the same reasons that uh, Adam mentioned. I, I don't uh I still like pit Tennessee's chances against Pitt because of its uh I think it's a bad matchup for Pitt. I think he'll be able to spread the field and exploit Pittsburgh's uh, gambling defense, take a lot of chances, blitz a lot. Uh, Also, um, LSU and South Carolina were two games on the road that I thought Tennessee would lose one of those games. Now, having watched uh, South Carolina, albeit watching it on my cell phone so I didn't get to... (laughs) big picture so to speak (laughs) quite literally you did not get the big no (laughs) it it was a small picture (laughs) South Carolina's offensive line looked horrible and Spencer Rattler quarterback transfer from Oklahoma looked really good but he just made plays under constant duress I think Tennessee will win that game now and I also think it will beat LSU I think LSU is in disarray Brian Kelly's not going to put the, put up with uh, players uh, pouting as star wide receiver Kayshawn Butte did in the loss to Florida State. He won't tolerate that. Uh, so I think that's a, also a very winnable game, although it's on the road for Tennessee. However, both Florida and Kentucky um, – are a little better than i thought. Kentucky because of its wide receivers, it's got some new wide receivers that i thought really energized its passing game and Will Levis looked pretty good. Again, that was a game i watched on the on the cell phone. So <laughs> maybe i shouldn't put much too much stock in that, but i and i, I do. I mean, Florida was the best case scenario for Florida. I thought it was tiring toward the end. It doesn't have great quality depth, but Anthony Richardson looked as good as the people thought he would, who think he's a high draft pick.
1: John, uh, you know, when I'm not at a game on the road or, or in a press box, I like to set up about three TVs in my living room, watch three games at once. You're just juggling a bunch of cell phones. <laughs> it sounds like you've got a fistful of phones on a, on a fall Saturday. Yeah, I had both, uh, and what was weird is I would get
0: one game on one cell phone, but I couldn't get it on the other one. So I had, I really did have to juggle that to get the uh, desired viewing.
1: Yeah, I think like you guys, my projection might trend toward like a half game to a game better than what I initially thinking. I think I was in that like seven and five to eight and four range for Tennessee. I, I feel much more comfortable. About eight and four, and I might be even even moving toward nine and three, based on what I saw in that opening week. Like you guys, I, I was I was circling that LSU game on the road as as a likely loss. Uh, I was in the Superdome on Sunday night, and LSU looked as bad in person as they did, I'm sure, on on television. Just a lot of warts to solve. Their their offensive line remains an an issue. I didn't see really any improvement on the discipline front. We heard so much hyperbole about how Kelly was going to instill discipline in this program. Well, I mean, they lost a guy for the season to a torn ACL and he hurt himself while celebrating a play. So, and how much discipline has been instilled there. They also had a guy ejected for targeting and just all kinds of problems. So feel better about Tennessee and that one. I didn't see anything out of South Carolina or Kentucky that would give me great pause about picking Tennessee in, in, in those games. So, you know, I guess if you're looking at this point, it feels like Pitt's kind of a toss up for me. Florida's maybe a toss up and then you know, Alabama and, and Georgia obviously are going to be hugely uphill battles, but overall, I think I'm, I'm right there at eight and four and, and maybe even trending toward, toward nine and three on, I guess, a week one snap judgment. Guys, obviously the, the competition ramps up this week. Pittsburgh, really kind of a gritty win. In some ways, maybe got fortunate with that pick six at the end of the backyard brawl. But still, physical game prevailed against West Virginia. Much tougher tune-up in the opener for for Pittsburgh than Tennessee. Did you see anything out of that matchup, John? I know you alluded to it a little bit. But did you see anything out of that matchup that you think, A, is going to favor tennessee in this game and then be anything you know about the panthers that tennessee might have their hands full with
0: well looking at pitt's defense that that's what to me that's where pitt could win the game it's really good at, at making plays defensively it takes a lot of chances but it also creates a lot of plays it create sacks and turnovers it's hard to have, to sack Hinden hooker granted because he he takes that quick drop gets rid of the ball However, Pitt has a. It's a really strong defensive front. Um, I would say just from watching that West Virginia game, like there are about four Pittsburgh defenders that look like NFL players to me. So I think that's the best, the best path to bit a uh, victory for Pittsburgh. It's for its defense to force some turnovers. And Tennessee, anybody carrying the ball against Pitt, better hold it tight because Pitt can it really hits it. That was a really hard hitting game. That was as good a game as I saw all weekend. Uh, As far as Tennessee, I think it can, it's offense can, can spread the field against Pittsburgh and uh, make plays, capitalize on a, on on those blitzes and so forth. And I like it's, I like it's chances of one-on-one matchups with its strong receivers against Pitt's DBs. And we'll see. Those those receivers, the real key to me would be, I think Pitt could try and jam Tennessee receivers at the line of scrimmage, and we'll see if Tennessee receivers can can elude that and, and make plays and capitalize on it.
2: I I love reading sort of the context clues of how coaches answer questions. Um and, and I'll I'll do this a little bit with Josh Hopple this week. And and John, this is sort of piggybacking off a couple of the points that you just made. I asked Josh Heupel this week about um, about sort of that brute force uh, up front in the front seven, uh, front, defensive front seven of Pitt, and sort of gave him an opportunity to complement Pitt's talent and size and strength and all that in the front seven, because there's a number of NFL players on there. At least a couple D linemen Pitt have one linebacker, maybe even more in early round NFL caliber guys in their front seven. And so I asked him about that, and his answer, he, he, he said they were physically mature. That's the way he answered it. So he gave them a little bit of a compliment. Yes, they are. They're strong, and they're really good players and all that. But he more leaned into the, um, he said, well, they load up the box. They bring a lot of guys up there. It doesn't matter what formation you're in offensively they're going to bring extra guys up in the box. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to come after you. So it seemed like he was more indicating that they're really good on defense because of what they do in their scheme. Not necessarily that their guys are better than your guys, but they scheme to sell out and be aggressive. Okay, so that's one context clue. The other one was he was asked about, when he thought about his wide receivers in the first game, Bruce McCoy and Jalen Hyatt and new guys and and new and old guys in new roles and all that, he gave his receivers a quick compliment. And then he said, they've got to win one-on-ones because of the press man coverage that, that John alluded to that Pitt is going to play. And he said, you absolutely have to win one-on-ones. You have to get off the line of scrimmage. We've got to do that better this week. If you put those two together it's not so much that Tennessee is going to have to compete more with what Pitt does, that it's going to have to be overpowering, that Tennessee doesn't have to be overpowering. It doesn't have to out-physical, so to speak, Pitt. Um, Tennessee just needs to do what it does better than what Pitt does. I think Josh Heupel feels some sense of confidence in this game that his scheme is better than their scheme, that if they work fast, if they get the ball out quickly, um, if they throw it downfield to receivers that are getting open quickly, that that scheme is going to be better than Pitt's scheme. And that it's not going to really matter that much about that Pitt is re- has a lot of NFL talent in their front seven and all that. It's just that Josh Hoppel's offense is fa- faster, executes better, and is better equipped and better at what it does than Pitt does. I think Josh Hopple thinks his scheme is better than Pitt's scheme. And I think he thinks his players run his scheme better now than they did a year ago. Um, and I think he likes to match up a little better too, because of what's happened on the other side of the ball. I mean, last year they had Jordan Addison and Kenny Pickett and those guys and Pitt was doing a, a similar to what Josh Hop, Hoppel did. They said, we're going to score. We're going to score a lot. We're going to go up and down the field and we're going to sort of match our scheme and yours. And they're going to be pretty similar. I, I think this is, two totally different teams right now. And I think Josh Hopple feels more confident when he's going against a team that's so different from his. Uh, and if, that's always that—that's always the case, I think, with a coach that really buys into a system. And uh, they always think their way is the best way. And I think that's why Josh Hopple quietly has some confidence in this one. Because he, he thinks his system is just better than that old school um, run the ball, grind it out, keep the score low top and for him i think this is an opportunity to show that
1: i think you guys made a lot of good points there while adam was in the press box uh, on thursday night covering tennessee's season opener i was on the couch had tennessee on one tv and and pitt on the other john was probably trying to manage a few phones at that time but um i thought from from pitt you guys mentioned it. it is aggressive defense but could be exploited. I, I think the tempo that Tennessee runs could give Pitt trouble. It's not a tempo that that they see particularly often throughout their their season. Um, and I think that tempo is going to allow the run game to have success. We saw Pitt's defense, I thought, particularly in the second half against West Virginia, really wear down, I think, against the run. Um, and you made good points about the in- aggressiveness of that defense. But I I was impressed with Tennessee's wide receivers and the opener might give an opportunity there when paired with that tempo run game as well. You know, those wide receivers I think could win some one-on-ones Pitt's offense. They really, they've morphed, you know, with, with Kenny Pickett, they were in the shotgun all the time. They, uh, they threw the ball a lot. They've, they've transitioned to more of an old school uh, pro style approach. They have a new offensive coordinator, uh, I thought Keaton Slovis looked okay. You know, looked pretty pretty solid. The, the USC transfer for Pitt, but he's no Kenny Pickett, and they really missed Jordan Addison, the All America wide receiver who transferred. Pitt's offensive line looked better in the run game. I, I thought that pass blocking, of course, Adam mentioned earlier. Tennessee's not real great at generating a pass rush, so that might be one thing to, to Pitt's favor is one of their weaknesses: pass protection. Tennessee may not be able to exploit. Guys, I want to close be remiss without mentioning this is uh, the Johnny Majors classic. John, you you worked in, in Pittsburgh, lived in Pittsburgh for a time, also covered Johnny Majors at Tennessee. Can you put into perspective what he meant to not just Tennessee's program, where he was a star player and then obviously a revered coach, but also to the city of Pittsburgh?
0: Yeah, Johnny Majors is revered in Pittsburgh because you have to understand the circumstances. Pitt had one of the worst uh, worst programs going when Johnny Majors went there. It was awful. And he turned, around, turned it around so quickly. He had a really good coaching staff. Jackie Sherrill was on it, for one. He turned it around so quickly. It helped that he was able to sign Tony Dorsett. But in four years, he turned that program into a powerhouse. Then that followed. Jackie Sherrill took over when Johnny Majors came back to uh, Tennessee, his homecoming, and um, Jackie Sherrill continued that. So for six, yeah, about six years there, Pitt was as good as anybody uh, had. Dan Marino at quarterback. Johnny Majors, um, he he will be remembered, I think, in and not just in Tennessee, but. He rebuilt three programs, and I think that's quite a testament to how good a coach he was. People forget that he was at Iowa State sometimes because it didn't he didn't attain the success there. He was only there a few years, but Iowa State was a downtrodden program and was competing in a very, very good league. The Big Eight back then was probably at the top better than any any conference in the country, SEC included. And in seventy-one it had The one, two, and three. Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Colorado finished one, two, and three in the polls. And Iowa State was fourth. If Iowa State hadn't been in there, Iowa State's best team under majors came when the Big Eight was the strongest it's ever been. So he he really revitalized that program, and he did the same at Pitt and in neither place. I, I remember interviewing him, and he talked about the facilities at both places. Neither program had great facilities. Uh, they were far behind their competition. So to me, he was one of the great rebuilders of college football. And that you you couldn't get a better compliment as a coach, I don't think.
2: For my generation, I was born in 79. So that means I'm watching Tennessee games late 80s uh and early 90s is is the first like major memories of watching Tennessee football. And Johnny Majors, during that time, is more defined of by his exit and you know that ugly transition from him to Phil Fulmer, and then immediately after that, Phil Fulmer looks like a better version of Johnny Majors that he turned them from a SEC champion into a national champion in in the in the decade of the '90s. And so, I think in time, Johnny Majors is looked at more in the breadth of his career, which I. I think is, is very fortunate uh, that, that that's to happen because I think that's the most accurate picture of Johnny Majors. Uh, but I think it took a while because for my generation, I think so much of it was not defined of how he rebuilt the program in the 80s and how he was a great player and all that. But it was more just the lasting legacy of that shift from him to Phil to Former. I think it's taken some time to, for people to appreciate the full story of Johnny Majors.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking to uh, Glenn Strino, former Tennessee offensive lineman, uh, recently. He's a Pittsburgh native who played for, for Johnny Majors at Tennessee, and I thought he really put it in a good perspective what he meant to the, the two places. In regards to Pittsburgh, he said of Johnny Majors, he said, quote, he loves the city and the city loves him. And in regards to Tennessee, he said he is Tennessee football. As far as I'm concerned, and to Adam's point, you know that, you know where that Mount Rushmore falls. Different different guys. I think depends maybe on the age of the Tennessee fan, um, but for for a lot of folks, I think they would agree with that quote that that Johnny Majors is Tennessee football when you combine uh, what he did as as a player and then later as a coach. So Adam will be in Pittsburgh covering that important game. John will have the commentary. You can find it all at knoxnews.com, and we will be back next week to discuss. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.
0: Just going to run this
1: dog to see if we can find any type of uh,
0: human remains that are left.